Before I begin our time of teaching, I want to give you an update on our North Carolina Disaster Relief Team. I mentioned this in the middle of my sermon last week. Uh, as uh, a few more of you may be back in your home watching for various reasons, I wanted to update you on one of those opportunities that we have had to be for our community, not immediate community, but a little further out that's happening. Uh, even while I'm recording this message, one of our teams is traveling to Canton, North Carolina, uh, to do disaster relief work in the areas of our state that have been impacted by floods. They are crawling under homes, ripping out floors, and doing whatever they are asked to do uh, in order to shape that community that God places them with the grace of Jesus Christ. So proud of them uh, and for you as a church. Uh, proud of them for going. We have students, we have adults, we have senior adults on that trip um, that are all joining at different times over the weekend. But I'm also really proud of you as a church because you have equipped them with the tools and the resources and even the financial ability for them to be able to go. So I just want to stop and say once again, thank you for letting us be for people who are in great need in our state right now. As you plan for the next few weeks, you may be stepping back into the room after a long break. Uh, summer's coming to a close. One exciting time in our weekly schedule that we are putting back uh, again for the fall is Awana, which is a time for our children, uh, K through five, to learn God's word and for them to know how it impacts their lives. Not just simply memorize it, but know how can they apply it? How can it prepare their heart, their soul, and their mind for their future as they live out their faith in Jesus Christ? This all gets back underway on Sunday afternoon, September the 12th. If you'd like to register your child uh, or interested in more information, you can simply go to the website under the event section at richfork.com. Also, I wanted to mention another event is an event coming up later in September, which is the Pris Priscilla Schreier online uh, event, but it will take place in this room um, as you can watch that and be uh, with other ladies. That is a ladies event. There's a small fee for that, for that event on that Saturday. So again, that's on our event web uh, event page on our website. Now, if you would, if you'll pray with me, uh, I would like to pray for us as we continue our time together. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to share a few things about uh, church members that are going and even guests of our church that are going to serve and to shape a community very near to us. Be with them um, as they are traveling, as they're coming back, as they're serving in multiple ways. Um, God, I just ask that you would give them opportunities to, to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. God, for upcoming opportunities with Iwana, with uh, the live simulcast coming up later in September on the 25th. Um, God, that you would just use all those moments uh, for your honor, for your glory. Thank you for the opportunity we have to um, examine a passage of scripture that I believe is uh, very fitting for where we are right now uh, in our community, even for many in our church, as we talk about laying down the burdens that we carry and giving them to you, trusting you with them, because of who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Some weeks, believe it or not, pastors, at least this one, uh, can have a difficult time getting ready and getting the words ready to speak and to share with you. 
For me, our time together is not simply another video message for you to take in, but it is time for us to enter something beautiful, God's word, and for it to instruct us, for it to guide us, for it to lead us into our everyday lives, but also the promise of eternity. This week has been one of those weeks, but I am confident that God's word will infiltrate your heart, your soul, and your mind as it has and will continue to do so each day. But if I were to ask you today to tell me who is your hero, then you might want a little clarification to the question. You may want to know, are we talking about a real person, uh, uh, someone that I know or someone I don't know, or even a made up superhero? You know the superhero standards. They're pretty high, right? Uh, always, they're always a step. The superhero is always a, always one step ahead in the right direction to save the day. They're larger than life. Superheroes, they have abilities that are not real. They're not even reproducible off the screen. And sorry, that disappoints some of you. Then if you go a notch lower to the next level of heroes in our culture, you might step down to athletes who can run faster than some of us can drive, or the model that pretends that she or he looks that perfectly filtered every time they're in front of a camera, or the musician who writes music that connects with you, yet on a day-to-day -day basis, they don't have a relationship with you at all, or the YouTuber with 10 million subscribers who cashes in on their temporary hero status. Still, these are not really heroes if we stop and think about it. Now, to some culturally, they appear this way because they've been placed in positions of power or popularity, even politically, merely because of a name or maybe their wealth or a defined ability that seemingly escapes the majority of us. But today, I want us to be realistic. The people in the positions that we have realized over the past 18 months to two years that may have previously been forgotten have some real characteristics and attributes of a hero. A person of courage. A hero is defined as a person of courage, of achievement, and noble qualities such as humility, kindness, and compassion. My list Includes, it may be different from yours, teachers, emergency personnel, police, EMS, fire, rescue, medical personnel that have served faithfully. Again, your list may look different than mine because the reality is that those lists are often defined by the people who have impacted you in ways that have touched your heart, that have performed a task for you at just the right time, or they've served your family in unseen ways by everyone else. As I shared that question with our staff, I realized something in their responses. We are far less enamored by heroes defined by popularity and culture today. I believe instead we are more moved by people. We call people heroes that we can sit across the table from, that can listen to our struggles, who stand with me in my battles who encourage me in my weakness. Those are heroes. I believe that's why God brought this passage of Scripture around to me in 
numerous settings and readings this week. And again, this was another week in our long uh, year of studying that I've just swayed away from where I originally planned to be. So if I can, I want to read this passage in its entirety and then set us up to go back into it. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 through 30. This is Jesus speaking, and in the verses before, Jesus had spoken his strongest words recorded by Matthew. He denounces certain cities who had known and had heard the most about Jesus. They had seen the miracles, yet they were not believing. And then he speaks these words. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now we're eventually going to land on verse 28 through 30, but I need to take you on a quick trip to a few other scriptures to give understanding to the beauty of verse 25 through 7, 27, which really frames 28 through 30. Here's a scenario surrounding the people. When Jesus begins to speak, when Jesus begins his ministry, he began to speak and teach, and those around him, some believe, but also the opposition around him began to grow. So picture this scenario. Jesus had grown up in a small town, the son of a carpenter, And he was a part of a family, aunts, uncles, cousins. But he also, Luke 2 tells us that he grew in wisdom and stature. So what does all this mean? He, Jesus was a part of a family. He had grown up in a community. He was Joseph's boy. He was another young man in the surroundings, Nazareth, with his family. So when he began his ministry, when he began to teach and make these bold proclamations about himself as the Messiah. It's really not hard to imagine pushback. It's not hard to imagine some were confused. After all, he's Jesus. He's cousin. He's neighbor. He's the apprentice to the carpenter. That type of moment was recorded in Luke 4 when Jesus made this statement in the middle of this moment, verse 16 of chapter four says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, 
gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all who spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? This is a jaw drop moment. If you knew Jesus and you grew up with Jesus, he makes this proclamation that he is the Messiah. Some of the family members would have gone, what did he say? The religious were offended, to put it mildly, as the scripture continues in chapter 4. And every emotion in between. So when we come to moments like this, we must realize that not everybody was on board with Jesus. But Jesus was defining himself to those around him. He had a greater purpose and he was the Messiah that they had been waiting for. Some loved Jesus for his miracles. Some followed him because of his message. Some pursued him to trap him. Some hated his message of freedom and grace. But few were prepared for a Savior like Jesus. In fact, he was the hero they needed. He is the hero that we need. He is the hero that says to all of us, come. Today, I want to remind you of this side of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, that we often gloss over too quickly in wanting to get to the climactic moment of the story of his death and his resurrection. Yet Jesus in Matthew 11 was proclaiming that those who considered themselves to be the wise of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, they could not grasp the simplicity of Jesus' teaching that he was presenting. They were caught up in the, the rule game that had grown in their circles. Let me explain. Back in the time when Jesus walked the world, there was a list of rules and teachings that were to be followed by the Jewish people of the day. Now these rules, many of them could be found in the Torah or the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But over time, the list of rules grew from one to ten to hundreds. Some estimate that the list at some point had 600 rules. Now, this list of rules was almost impossible to learn and keep up with. And because of that, only a handful of religious people at the time could hope to get it right. Imagine learning that many rules. But with the few who could learn all the rules came confidence and arrogance that they would have proclaimed that they were better than those who could not follow all the rules. Also during that day, a teacher of the day was called a rabbi. It was what many would have called Jesus. But each rabbi would have had an apprentice. It was the apprentice's job to learn the law and also learn the teachings and how the rabbi that they were following, how he may have taught them a little bit differently, according to the community, according to his people. 
So the entire teaching of that rabbi to his apprentice was commonly called a yoke, a yoke of the Torah. Now a yoke is an agricultural reference to a device used to hold two oxen together to plow fields or to be led in a specific direction. But the parallel meaning was that the yoke of a rabbi, his teaching, was what an apprentice would be led by and led into. This was the pattern of the religious teaching of the day. And as you can imagine, only a few could meet the standards and carry this yoke day to day and follow the rules. The majority of people could not measure up. The rules and the yoke were simply too heavy. But then a new teacher shows up. Jesus proclaims himself to be the Messiah and that his message is for those who understand as a child. And for the first section of Matthew, there is a growing popularity with Jesus and society in general. He intrigued the religious leaders and the rabbis. But as we enter into chapter 11, the intrigue turns to suspicion and later to an increasing desire to silence Jesus. Because Jesus speaks of a new yoke, a new set of teachings that people would have to learn to follow. Stay with me. The yoke of the Torah were the laws found in the Old Testament, plus the teaching of the rabbis and the teachings of those teachings. It was a gigantic thing to learn and follow. And then a new rabbi Jesus shows up. The people would listen to that rabbi's teaching and his interpretation of the law. The burden of learning the yoke of the Torah was difficult. So along comes this new teacher, Jesus, explaining that he came to fulfill the law and the people are just confused and the religious leaders are beginning to get upset because the new teacher was about to upset all the list of rules, the have-tos, the do's, and the don'ts. What if today, maybe this will help you, what if today I gave you online, I gave you several hundred rules to follow for the next week? You can't watch television after 6 p.m. until 6 a.m. No texting in church or even while you're watching at home. Or you definitely cannot text anything negative about the pastor at any time. Mm, I have another one. If you don't give your offering, then you can't buy an expensive coffee drink this week. You can't roll your eyes at your spouse or your children or your parent. Here's the one. If you don't read your Bible at home every morning, then you have to write 100 times before you eat, I will not forget to read my Bible today. I will not forget to read my Bible today. Now see, I could go on and on and create a few hundred more, but I think you understand the idea. What if each week you came in and you sat down and I added 10 more rules to follow? Now some people who might be watching who've never attended church or at least this body of believers think that's what church is about on Sundays. But can you imagine the attendance drop? We'd watch the online viewers go down. The in-person viewing would go down. But there's a few of you out there. You're extreme rule followers. You know who you are. You would find a way to follow all the rules and do so with a smile, maybe forced, but with a smile. But Jesus, full of power, full of authority, comes along 
and preaches this message. Verse 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my teaching, my training upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The people in Jesus' day were tired of trying to follow all the rules and getting it right. But Jesus comes along and says, if you want rest, if you want peace, let me tell you how to get it. They had never had a rabbi who invited them and said, come find rest. He begins, though, by saying, come to me. This adverb here, come to me. Unlike the common line of thinking, he's not saying come to the rules and the stipulations that I've established. Rather, come to a relationship. Come to me. He's speaking words that would have caused the ears of the crowd to, to perk up. Come to me. But then he invites them, a very, makes a, invites a very different crowd to come to him. A very different group of people get invited to a relationship with him. Come to me. Believe in me. I am what you need to fulfill the longings, to fulfill the emptiness in your heart. Here's the good news. What qualified people to come to Jesus? What qualifies you and me to come to Jesus? Verse 28 tells us, Come to me, all who labor, and are heavy laden. Your burden qualifies you to come. Not your righteousness, not your to-dos and your don'ts and your checking off of the list, but your burden qualifies you to come. Now, I know I can't see your hands because you're in your home or you're somewhere else watching this message, but does anybody watching, do you have a burden right now? Two hands maybe? If you don't have one, call or text someone and they can share a couple dozen with you. Weary, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Weary in this moment translate as a tiring task in seeking to please God. Jesus calls to himself everyone who is exhausted from trying to find and please God through our own resources. Jesus invites the person who is exhausted from trying to earn salvation, who has despaired of achieving God's standard of righteousness by his own efforts. But then, but then in our attempts, there's the heaviness of failure, of our sinfulness, of our brokenness, trying to measure up and falling again, trying to measure up and failing again, trying to follow the rules. You're weary. 
Maybe you're heavy laden. This is a perfect passive participle, which for some you would go look that up, but it indicates that at some point in time in the past, a great load was dumped onto the weary person. Whereas weary refers to an internal exhaustion caused by seeking our own way of salvation, our own wisdom, our heaviness. Heavy laden suggests the external burdens caused by our efforts, our empty efforts of righteousness. He's literally saying, if you're tired of trying to earn your salvation by doing all the right things, following all the laws, and you're weary and you're emotionally tired and you're heavy with questions of whether or not you're getting all the rules right, stop. Come to Jesus and he will give you rest. Literally refreshment for the journey. Inside and out. If you have a burden, you are qualified to come to Jesus. If you have a burden, you are qualified to come to Jesus. In this conversation of yokes, he's literally saying, trade the guilt for grace. Trade the law for mercy. Trade the never-ending pursuit of rules for a relationship. Come to me. But in order to do it, you have to do two things, both dependent on coming to Jesus. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden, it's light. Now, hopefully, you will understand why I spent all that time talking about the yoke, the burden, and the rules. The people of that day would have understood this calling from Jesus. He is offering something radically different. He's offering a yoke, a teaching, a, a set of instructions to be placed on your shoulders that are not heavy, that are not impossible or layered with hundreds of laws. Jesus says, Take my yoke. Follow me, learn from me, let me guide you, and I will give you rest. The people of that day were looking for rest. They were looking for another way. This is physical, spiritual, emotional, relational rest. And we are no different today. Weary, heavy laden, come to Jesus. Take his yoke. It is a yoke, but it is light. It'll guide you. It will lead you. Yes, it's still a teaching. It is still instruction, but it is designed to be light. I don't want you to miss how Jesus describes himself in this passage. This is where I found so much peace this week and even the last in fact, this enabled me to push back a couple times this week and say, I don't have the energy 
I don't have anything else and it's okay. It's when Jesus says this, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Gentleness is who Jesus is. It's his heart. He can't ungentle himself towards his own. Any more that you or I could change and unchange our eye color. It's who we are. Gentle is meekness. It is humility. It's not harsh or easily exalted. Exhausted. Jesus says, I am gentle. But he also says, I am lowly. Another translation might say, I am humble. I love this picture of one person who said that the description of Jesus as lowly, it means he is accessible. He is fully Messiah, as verse 27 proclaims. He is the Father, the Father, the Son, that whole confusing back and forth. In Luke chapter 4, he declares himself to be the Messiah. He's full of power. He's the Redeemer. He's the Savior. But in his holiness, it does not limit or hinder his compassion, his gentleness, and his grace. It doesn't make him unapproachable. Jesus, he's tender. He's open. He's welcoming. Come to Him. His yoke is easy if we'll learn. And He will give you rest. The dictionary gives several definitions of rest that remarkably are parallel to the spiritual rest that God offers those who trust in His Son. I want to share a few of those with you. First, the dictionary describes rest as a cessation or a ceasing of action, motion, labor, or exertion. In a similar way, to enter God's rest, it is to cease from all efforts of self-help in trying to earn a relationship of salvation with Him. Second, rest is described as freedom from what exhausts us. Again, we see the spiritual parallel of God's, God's giving His children freedom from the cares and the burdens that rob them of peace and joy. The third definition of rest is defined as something that is fixed and settled. It's done. It really sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Come to me, all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So how do we apply this passage? First, We'll use the passage to walk us through how do we enter a relationship of rest. First, we must come. Begin a relationship with Jesus. He's calling you to come to Him. Into a lifelong, growing relationship with Him. You begin this relationship by confessing your sinfulness and your need for a Redeemer, Jesus Christ. 
he is saying as a Messiah. He is saving as a Messiah, but he is gentle. He's available. Come. Grow. Continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Take his yoke. Grow in his word. Grow in worship and in your community with other believers. Now listen, when I say to learn and take his yoke, imagine it this way. If you were walking along the beach and you saw someone struggling in the water and you see a life preserver, one of the round ones, and you throw it into the water, but they say, I'm not putting that on. I'm not putting that around me. I don't need something around me to restrict me or keep me from trying to make it out on my own. That's ridiculous, right? So when Jesus says, take his yoke, take his teaching, don't refuse to learn. Don't refuse it simply because it might and it will convict you. Don't refuse it because it will confront you or lead you to make changes in your life. Know this about his life-preserving teaching, his yoke. It is teaching that is designed and created to give you rest, to stop the struggle. Come, grow, pause. Press pause on life. Now, I'm not going to give you rules and requirements for how long you press pause or what you press pause on, but there are moments where we must learn to press pause maybe even stop and simply breathe as an exercise, but also to breathe and realize, to take an evaluation of what are we missing? What are we drowning in? What is the burden that we've placed on ourselves? A pause may be to pull your car over in a parking lot for five minutes and just reset. Paul's may be, as I shared with the guys right before we filmed, for me on Wednesday night just to push everything away and sit outside in complete silence. It may be a 50-minute walk. It may be a five-minute walk. Alone. No distractions. No podcast. Nothing. Pausing. I'll just tell you ahead of time. Pausing will mean that something might not get accomplished. Pausing may mean that you don't get everything that you have to do and don't do accomplished. But we need rest. We have to put our place in that, ourselves in that place. We have to come. We have to grow. We have to pause. We have to praise and pray. I know for some of you it's going to sound cliche, but I am sincere when I say that when I stop and I thank God for things in my life, it's in those moments that I feel peace. Then I can lift my concerns, my burden, my weight. Praise. Then I can remember. I can come to Him, pause, I can come, I can grow, I can pause, I can praise, and I can remember. Remember what? Jesus is gentle 
and lowly. He's accessible to you, for you, because of who he is and what he has done on the cross for all eternity. Come, grow, pause, praise, remember. Let's pray together. God, in a home, in a workplace, maybe listening on a drive, maybe through an extension of Rich Fork, through Paytel and some different ways that this may go out in some different ways. I pray that everyone listening knows that you are a Savior who says, come. You are mighty. You are the creator. You're the sustainer, but you're gentle and lowly, and approachable. Come. May we grow. May we not settle for just a moment with you, but for a lifetime with you, for a relationship with you. God, may we continue to find ways to pause, to praise, to pray, and to remember. God, I know for me this week has been filled with burdens, that I cannot carry. There are things that will go left undone. But help me in those moments to rest, to pause, and trust that my relationship to you will do what? It will remove the heaviness. It will replace it with a yoke, with a teaching. But it is light. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to continue over the next few moments to be reminded of Jesus' teaching and the teaching of Scripture regarding our burdens, regarding our struggles. In Jesus' name, amen.